Welcome to the IEEE Future Networks podcast series, an IEEE Future Directions digital studio production. In this episode, we've gathered four edge subject matter experts to discuss the coming decade of expected developments for the edge ecosystem as enabled by current and future network generations. Our subject matter experts are with us today in their capacity as co-chairs of the Edge Automation Platform Working Group of the Future Networks International Network Generations Roadmap. As well, Frederick Kaltz is the head of Edge Infrastructure for DOC.ai. TK Lala is the founder of ZQZ, a consulting company in edge computing and cybersecurity. Prakash Ramchandran is the founding director and secretary of the Open Technology Foundation, and Sujata Taibrala is the one API worldwide community development manager at Intel. To our panel today, thank you for sharing your time and expertise. To get started, can you explain within the International Network Generations Roadmap, what is the vision of the Edge Automation Platform Working Group now and 10 years down the road? So our working group vision is to capture ongoing infrastructure and edge service transformation that is occurring across the globe. And we want to enable the edge ecosystem by promoting interface between hardware and software modules that make the edge platform easy to build, operate and consume through provisioning and lifecycle automation. So we want to make things easy for uh, the edge application developers so that they can work on different hardware and uh, can make use of software uh, without worrying about the underlying interfaces. The changing ecosystem landscape has widened the scope uh, of our working group to cover edge native services in 2021. So we are likely to continue on this innovation path over the next several years as edge takes over the cloud. We will see more and more uh, microservices and container takeover as part of edge as a service. And further along, we are seeing that serverless computing with AI, machine learning, and deep learning would play an important role by the fifth year. Eventually, we, we will see emergence of local utility computing with disruption coming from quantum computing by year 10. So in summary, uh, edge, microservices, micro data centers, cloud, all working in tandem and covering different, uh, you know, hardware and software modules. Thank you. So this is TK. So to add to that, basically um, the core or the crux of the edge computing is lies on the low latency. It's really ultra low latency and super high bandwidth. And both are being uh, fostered now by the 5G and the upcoming 6G as uh, people um, are noticing. And uh, why does ultra low latency matters? Because there are many applications that we have seen that they are really dependent on a just-in-time type of computing. So in other words, all the computing needs to be done right now when it's needed and so forth. 
and proximity-based computing, if we can bring the computing power to the closer to the utilization and also the generation of the information, then it solves a significant amount of latency problem. There is still other problems associated with the computing itself and which is also changing the computing paradigm. Computing paradigm is changing to the photonic computing and also um, um, quantum computing as um, the previous speaker, Jusu Sujata mentioned. So these, all these things coming together to harness basically the uh, capitalize on the ultra low latency and super high bandwidth of the network that we are seeing in the evolving in the horizon. And one of the um, uh, key things on the <clears throat> edge computing is as we have moved to the uh, application, basically moving to the uh, containerized domain, containerized infrastructure rather, and also uh, microservices as well as serverless computing. Um, these all require to work very closely with a very low latency environment. But however, they require more and more from the scalability perspective distributed over multiple compute sources. And the edge computing, it brings the computing um, resources closer. However, the uh, additional resources that are needed for the scalability purpose requires adjacent nodes or even the hybrid cloud environment to be incorporated when you are trying to scale out either vertically or horizontally. So these all these things require uh, pose a significant challenge as far as how to distribute this structure, infrastructure of containers and microservices to work properly or to provide a service to the uh, end users. And so these are the vision that we have to how the edge computing is going to evolve in the beyond even 5G and moving to the 6G where the terahertz or at least hundreds of gigahertz spectrum translating to the terabits per second in the digital domain is going to materialize, which brings the ultra high bandwidth, but at the same time, a very low latency uh, environment, less than 100 microseconds and 10 microseconds, and even closer to the one microsecond capability at some point. So we are embarking on this path and we are hoping that uh, the industry is going to be moving fairly fast on this and we see that is already happening and uh, we're going to know a lot more as we move along. So how do you see evolution for the scope and demarcations for edge computing in the context of cloud and hybrid computing? Prakash here, uh, I will take this. So what we see is in the evolution of edge, we look for similarities and dissimilarities with respect to cloud. Now cloud has proliferated with different players, starting from Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Tencent, Alibaba, and various regional and national government portals too. So with variety of deployments uh, and architecture, we tend to call them as multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, and talk about the interoperability, portability of the workers. So in that context, uh, where is the edge and edge with respect to cloud and the hybrid cloud. So when we look at 
the various locations it ranges from anywhere close to the user up to the core the 5g core let's call it our the provider core so then the question comes how do we call uh, what type of form factors do we need for them for serving the applications from the edge or services from the edge so the form factor depends whether you are at the uh, iot gateway which is closest to you can do it at iot gateway at your home or it could be aggregated in the network somewhere nearby or it could be at the power poles where you see a lot of application related to vehicle transportation systems intelligent transportation systems then you go to enterprise a bit further and essentially the gateways can be placed for the edge anywhere called near the provider far from provider far far from provider into iot gateway etc so the question now is okay let's say anywhere in the location of the edge we have taken then that is where the question of form factor being there uh, turns out that what kind of uh, servers we are looking at what kind of resources we need what types of resources and how do we uh, in instantiate them based on the platform availability therefore there is definitely a split between the underlay and the overlay and so from the edge computing context what we see is is the 75% of all the data consumed in a range of 20 24 25 we are going to see and the cagr of around 10 to 12% uh, the most of the workloads that is currently handled by cloud uh, will move to edge or essentially even if the cloud handles what it handles still the edge will have huge amount of data uh, being handled by the applications and the services and so in the scope of things uh, we have seen in this year that the clusters and nodes have become the common factor for the standardization for the eap platform uh, as a framework for us and this is where we are here at this time and when we move from here towards delivering other services we need to worry about the model what we are using who controls who like what is the control plane what is the management plane how are we handling the user data plane whether it is the edge native services using the edge upf user plane function or core 5g user plane function so the changes that are happening in the front hall mid hall and the back hall called as x hall is accelerating what we need to do at the edge so the scope has widened and i think in the coming year setting the context we will be working on the edge service platform uh, framework for the 2021 whereas we finished with the edge automation platform for in 2020 tk you want to add something here um just very little basically i think you covered it well um the 
Um, the key thing is, again, the infrastructure. What we are noticing is that there will be new technologies that will be coming up, um, both on the software side and um, also in the hardware side. We are already seeing some uh, very key in-memory type of computing, those kind of things, and also uh, liquid software, this kind of architecture that will be happening, I think will help um, our evolution in the in the forward going forward and there's a lot of challenges but there's a lot of uh, enablers also that is helping this and we're seeing tremendous amount of growth or pro progress in these areas and i think it's happening a lot faster than it used to be can you speak to some of the use cases that are driving the edge let me lead it off on that one um and then sujata probably will join me later so some of the there are there are quite a few compelling use cases actually, and um, because almost no one will say no to a minimum latency, as you can tell, almost every application that we are aware of today, they all benefit from the minimum latency and as well as ultra high bandwidth. But in particular, if you think about it, autonomous vehicle, which is starting to happen autonomous vehicle and driving is a very compelling case. Now on this one, to achieve the autonomous driving, how to make, how to make the vehicle understand, for example, the environmental um, um, security, uh, rather um, proximity awareness, uh, situational awareness, what is happening around the vehicle and how to make the safe controls in real time is an extremely essential task. And this can only happen in real time. So all the processing needs to happen and communication needs to happen in real time. So what better example than that really for the uh, using a edge computing right close to the vehicle as close as possible to the vehicle. As the vehicle is passing through and is coming closer and closer to the edge, for example, that edge will be processing those information, assisting those information in addition to the vehicle computing itself and then hands it over to the next adjacent node and so forth. So the edge computing is doing this job in a very harmonious way um, compared to a centralized cloud computing, if you can think of, uh, that is located much farther away. Rich sensors, for example, cameras, lidars, and so forth, they're all going to be used in this edge computing paradigm. Another example is industry four factory type of automation. Uh, where automation means real-time assembly, real-time control, and so forth of the factory so that you have the, you can minimize the downtime. And again, all the processing that needs to be done in a distributed manner within the factory that will be done with different computing that are located in the proximity. But at the same time, there is edge computing server that will serve the serve basically the overall computing that is needed to run the factory and manage the whole automation part of the factory. So reducing the manpower need in order to, in order to um, especially on the repetitive, um, the tasks that the factories or the manufacturing industry needs to do. Third example comes to mind is cached content delivery. Gaming services is another one. 
Um, uh, by the way, cache content delivery is for infotainment purpose. So if you have a lot of information that you're using for entertainment, they could be cached to the frequent, closer to the frequent users and consumers rather than having to download it much further away. So you wanted to keep it closer and also process it much faster so that the user has a much better QOE quality of ex, um, experience. And gaming services is another one. Gaming services is becoming very, very popular um, in real time interactive gaming. So that requires almost instantaneous processing and so forth. So in the neighborhood, if several people are playing the games and they needed very high rich graphics and images, they would be all served well to the closer to, the, um, closer to them, a proximity node, which is like the ad computing. And obviously autonomous control of a, imagine a smart city or a um, very smart, intelligent neighborhood and all kinds of things going on, electricity coming up uh, at the right time, uh, the, the uh, what do you call the different type of services are happening at the same time. So many autonomous control of this, autonomous control of many of these devices can be done very effectively through using intelligent devices and they're replacing the traditional IOTs, for example, smart devices, but they're lo located closer to the proximity and they are um, being processed through um, the closer proximity server or the serverless computing system in the edge. And these are all being automated imagine the situation and they are being distributed through multiple nodes as well. So that way, you know, they're working all like in a harmonious manner, but well orchestrated um, uh, system. Telemedicine comes to mind, street traffic control is also part of that. And farming and agricultural automation is another AR or the VR powered education or instruction entertainment system that could be part of that because they all require tremendous amount of computing power as well as the storage power and the communication power. These are all can be served from closer to the proximity rather than far away. Surveillance or other monitoring devices also would be helped very well. I'll ask uh, Sujata if you wanted to add something more on these things, go ahead, please. Yes, uh, thank you, TK. Uh, you covered it really well. Uh, yeah, there are, uh, as TK mentioned, there are all these cases. One of the things that I would like to add would be disaster uh, response systems, like, you know, in case of uh, natural disasters like earthquake and, uh, you know, um, flooding or, you know, storm and things like that. So autonomous systems could be leveraged to put an emergency response system uh, quickly and like, you know, uh, communicate with the uh, different users and uh, coordinate, uh, you know, whatever uh, relief uh, things need to be coordinated. Now, uh, apart from that, I would like to also point out that uh, even though most of these systems do have like, you know, latency, low latency and high bandwidth requirements. There is a gradation to that. Uh, for example, uh, a, a disaster recovery system or, you know, a traffic control system, pro uh, an autonomous driving system 
is more critical in terms of latency requirement than uh, gaming services. And uh, things like, uh, you know, agriculture and farming systems, even though the, they will contain like a lot of uh, devices spread across a huge geography, they are not really latency sensitive, but they do have a requirement of having a lot of connections in the edge system and like, you know, being able to bring up the connection and uh, respond to whatever parameters that need to be monitored for a farming and agriculture system. So these uh, variety of uh, requirements for all of these edge use cases is what dictates what, uh, what is developed as part of edge automation platform. And that is what we are dealing with in this working group. What are the functional requirements for the edge? What are the non-functional requirements for the edge? And what are the key differentiators for edge platforms and services? Prakash here, uh, I will take this. So for the functional requirement, I will handle and non-functional I will pass on after I finish to uh, Frederick. On the functional requirement, uh, if you look at the essential uh, partition between the underlay and the overlay, uh, the underlay deals with the platform to infrastructure and overlay we talk about the functionality, service functionality. So since there are multiple services from the use case we heard from both uh, TK and Sujata, there are a variety of uh, services and each service has a different need for resources and the functionality themselves differ. So let's take, start with the IoT use case. If it is a IoT use case, if the data uh, is humongous in the sense that every 15 seconds, if you have to get a data sample to determine and if it has to be processed, the processing needs to be very fast in the sub, uh, I would say five millisecond range. And that means we have to look at whether we can really do it on the spot or do we need to aggregate and have some historical data and build some models to deliver it. So that is functional requirement here may require us to provide the ability to sense ability to aggregate, ability to store, and ability to respond back in a timely fashion, real time, uh, depending on what the need is. If it is a temperature sensor, that's a different story. You can probably respond at a home in a few minutes range. But if it is something of an emergency fire, then you may have to respond uh, more urgent. So therefore, the edge use case determine different functions will require different response is real time, not what is real time for one may not be real for another. So it depends on the how the use case uh, function evolves and requires uh, the ability of the edge service to respond. 
there i would add that if there is something to be aggregated then you may offload you may not have the compute sufficient so you may offload it to the cloud if it is possible or to the nearest local storage so offload could be one factor the other could be if you have something you want to recognize while driving example you don't want to skip the lane then you have an image being processed that requires then a very uh, quick response so you may not have the model at your hand so you may have to uh, process the model uh, pre processed model you may have to apply so there is acceleration compute gpu the other requirements which may spawn spawn up the other factor in the use case like factory automation which was uh, brought there the ultra reliability and low latency is what tk mentioned of course the functionality then requires that processing be closer so how the platform uh, places the uh, the edge stack will be closer to the industry because then it is faster to process so maybe the radio unit the uh, distributed unit the central unit or whatever the process will be moved to edge so there may be requirement for edge caching there there may be requirement for aggregation so those are the functional requirement derived from obviously the service requirement so there is uh, several way like example if it is uh, talking we are talking of a extreme uh, need for a training center uh, to do the uh, what do you call the training to thousands of Uh, people like MOOC, massive online uh, uh, course. Then in those cases, you will require more of a ability to do video streaming, which is part of the uh, extreme uh, EMBB they call it, extremely mobile broadband. So caching and various uh, media conversions is involved. Like you need a conversion voice, video, data to be able to. Uh, train the people in a different way so that requires a, another type of functionality where encoding decoding and encryption decryption those things fall in so every use case comes with a, its own challenges and requirements and we try to fulfill that at this stage i think i should pass on to uh, frederick to talk about the non functional aspects sure so many of the Uh, non-functional requirements that you would expect in software systems still apply. So you still have to look at things like what is the quality, what is the reliability of the system you're using, how do you trace it, how do you um, how do you handle things like uh, latency, uh, throughput requirements that that are present. Uh, some of the, however, there there are some key differentiators, and some of them were touched upon already. So, for example, when you start looking at something like portability, you have we're we're going to have different types of architectures which we'll be able to deploy to that are that are on the edge. At least that that's what we're expecting. So, with it's very likely we'll see ARM, we'll see RISC, we'll see Intel-based systems, and so the the portability of the platform becomes very important because we don't want to be maintaining a, a large outlay of different types of systems that are fundamentally different from each other and even though we may compile to specific targets we expect for there to be common platforms 
platforms. Uh, for example, we're seeing Kubernetes is gaining a, a heavy lead in, in these, some of these areas and have common ways to deploy and manage these systems, even though the actual binaries themselves may be, may be different. Simultaneously, we also are seeing changes in, in things like density, where uh, as we, there, was, there was a discussion about radios uh, before, how we'll be able to have this higher uh, density set of radios. If you look at what this means though, from a, if, from a data perspective, this means that we're going to be able to collect or process data that is on the that is closer to the user to the, to the edge. And one fundamental difference is that there's pieces of data today that may not be worth aggregating or collecting or working with that you may be more comfortable working with because you can process them at the edge where the edge could literally be on premise at the customer site so they don't have to share their data with uh, with third parties or it may be processed in an edge data center that is located within a few miles of the of the location and this means that you could aggregate local information so in the case of the self-driving car, it could be local traffic information that uh, could be co-located inside of a inside of a regional uh, area, literally a data center very very close to you, and not having to transfer that huge volume of information to a to a cloud, which ends up saving bandwidth and increases the overall reliability and and latency properties. We are already seeing some of this in, in early environments, such as Netflix, where Netflix created a box, a storage device that they land at the ISPs, so that way that the movies don't have to transfer all the way from Amazon every time, but instead they can transfer that data from the same from, from that box. So that was an early version that we saw up here a few years ago. And we're, we're expecting these type of patterns to be commoditized so that you can bring your own type of compute, your own type of data and uh, and networking to the user based upon your application's needs as opposed to being based upon what the infrastructure of the ISP and your on-premise or, or cloud are, are able to, to provide you. And so um, and there's also, there's also uh, areas around uh, around cost that we're expecting to to change as well where from a cost perspective that will be we're very likely to see spot instance, spot instances marketplaces that appear nearby where we can regulate what uh, what is currently running or not running based upon feedback pressure from what is going on with local with local environments and and demand while at the same time preserving critical life-saving technologies where suppose you have a 911 service going through it we can ensure those things get priority over but at the same time uh, have have it set so that as the consumer you're you're able to as a customer, you're able to pick and choose the type of things that you want to gain access to uh, because you're in control of the placement, not, not a third party or, or an ISP. This has been a good discussion for setting the context around edge computing, but let's take a pause in our podcast today and come back to this topic. In part two, we will expand on the edge automation platform and edge service platform frameworks. To close this first episode, 
Let's check in with Sujata to tell us where people can go if they are looking for more information on the topics we've discussed today and to discover how they can participate in these efforts. Yeah, uh, definitely. So uh, I believe we will keep, uh, we will have the links for the INGR uh, group website on the description for the podcast. So that is a good place to start. Uh, the EAP working group is listed over there and uh, our roadmap from previous year uh, is already published. The roadmap for this year would be uh, published shortly. Uh, so please be on the lookout for that. As far as participating is concerned, there is a email uh, list that you could send an email to uh, and then one of us will contact you. So that email would be also in the description link down below. So please send an email to participate in the working group. Uh, we really love to hear from uh, the people in the industry and include as many diverse opinions as possible. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IEEE Future Networks podcast with the experts. Discover more about the IEEE Future Networks initiative and inquire about participating in this effort by visiting our web portal at futurenetworks.ieee.org.